All right, man, I'm ready when y'all are. This is your song, Mike. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Go. And so take me down the road that's a little bit winding. Oh, I love it. To a place they still put sugar I like that. in their eyes. I love that line right there. They where they still put sugar where in their the ice tea. Yeah. You know who this is? I don't. It's the man, it's the new uh, new hot thing on the countryside, Zach Bryan. Oh, Zach Bryan, yeah. Okay. He just has a vibe. I'm in a fight with God. That right yeah, he's there. got that raspy kind of... Well, do you know his story? Do you know anything about him at all? I know nothing about him. Uh, I really didn't either. I mean, I kind of knew of him. Yeah. You know, he would he, his early songs would pop up on kind of obscure playlists, whatever, and... I was always like, dude, I, I just love his vibe. And he just keeps blowing up and blowing up. Well, he was in the military. He was in Navy, in the Navy. Oh. And his mates in the Navy, they would always record him um, on the ship, on tours, whatever. And he would do his own songs. And it was a YouTube thing. And it just kept blowing up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I and do the, remember that. Yeah. And then the Navy honorably discharged him and said, go follow your passion. That's cool. Pretty cool, huh? You don't hear that very often. <clears throat> Here you go, listen. <laughs> See? I like it, yeah. I know Good places stuff. like that. My grandma's living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How you doing today, Zach? I'm doing good, man. I mean, I it's been a, a long work day, uh, but it's been a good day and productive. I uh, got a couple workouts in, which is nice couple workouts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, I, I got to work on that chubbiness, according to Jared. So I was wondering where what you were going to do today without Jared here after the last time that you were not here. Mm. He took a little pot shot at you. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, no, I, I don't I don't reciprocate like that. I just get better. <laughs> just get better, you know. Uh, just work on it. It's all about the game. That's right. Um, Right out of the gate, I want to go ahead and, you know, we we just so thankful for those of you that continue to listen, support the show. Really just, and I say it every time, but a simple little share, follow. Reviews are awesome. Like if you if you get a little downtime, go on Apple, pop a review in there and just, I don't, I honestly, I don't even care if it's one star. Just make it funny. If you're going to one star us, just make it funny. You know, not Yelp, Karen-y, but kind of be quippy creative i'm down with that but those little things that you do just really really help us not only move into uh new markets because we have a lot of fans that are popping up in other soccer markets that are like you guys talk about a lot of things that our family's going through uh but more than anything it gives us extreme clout to just trash on sporting kc podcast <laughs> um and that's really the motivation so if you don't mind quick share quick follow send it around we'd appreciate it yeah, and it just shows so much to us too, because you know this isn't a job for us. This is a hobby of sorts, and we really enjoy the people we get to talk to and hanging out with each other. And so when we hear somebody take time out of their own day to write a review, yeah, that means a lot. That's so. cool. Um, and then the few uh, official businesses that are supporting us. I want to start off with uh, actually, you start off with Axis PT. Yeah, Axis PT. You know, they've got some, some soccer-specific physical therapists. Actually, just pitched them again today to my brother. Uh, his son has a little tweak that needs a little work, and he was like, I don't know what to do. And I said, call Axies. 
They can, you know, walk you through based on your insurance, whether then, or not you need a referral or not. And then he's, yeah. And then he said, you know, do I need to go to my doctor first? And you were like, I was like, no, actually. Well, I, I said it depends because you do have to still work with your insurance group, but calling them, they will walk you through it and make sure that you've got what you need. So they get you fixed easy. Yes. And if you, if you don't need an x-ray or you don't need any serious diagnostics, that's the way to go for a lot of these injuries. Cause yeah. a lot of these injuries are not yeah. tears. They're not breaks. They're just little just, pulls and need some little work. And so Axie's physical therapy is the way to go. Speaking of easy, uh, Crescent Plumbing, another one of our sponsors. Uh, look, we know, we know the numbers. 72% of you that listen are male. Um, majority of you probably have a female in your household that legitimately makes all the decisions. Hook them up. Send them that way. You need that bathroom refresh or the kitchen. Um, send them that way. But, you know, let them know that Soccer Dad Pod sent you guys over there. Um, they'll take care of them and they'll keep them on budget. Keep everybody on budget. Everybody's happy. And then finally, Chris and Bill, our friends over at thepinnacleloan.com. Um, you know, th th their game is easy. They're going to find the financing. They're going to get the loan closed. They work with a load of uh, agents and they've, you know, some tips and tricks up their sleeve to help you get the contract. It's one thing to find a house that you want because there's nothing on the market. There's no inventory. But once you find it, you got to close because you're going to compete and they can help you compete. Agreed. Which brings us to the pinnacle points of the day. You're first. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, by the time this airs, it'll be a day or so before the City 2 team plays the San Jose Quakes in the first round of playoffs for MLS Next Pro. And the reason I brought that up as my pinnacle point is in our last episode, we had the privilege of of being at Herman Stadium and watching live and recording uh, at Herman Stadium the SLU versus Missouri State game. And what an honor to be down on that field and to interview Kyle Hebert and, and Johnny Klein. And now we're out at Soccer Park and, and we have a, a lovely bubble that views out onto field one. And they're doing an honorary ceremony for the 2006 ECNL national champions. Two-time. Two-time national champions. And we uh, had the pleasure of interviewing um, the coach that kind of helped kick we, that we team are about, off. We are about to. Yeah. And so it's going to be a, a great conversation with him. Um, talk more about just that team and ECNL in general. So... That's why I, I chose th that City 2 promo for our, my pinnacle point. So when we walked in here today, Petch told me, I mean, it's, it's by the time this airs, they already know. But uh, the girls on that team, that they've won something like 55 games in a row. They've won two national championships. Yep. Um, Nike worked with the club, and they each get custom boots that have what? two. No, no, no. Hold on. It gets better. Two stars put on them as well no <laughs> how cool is that oh my god that's amazing yeah i love it um i have a pinnacle point of the day uh pinnacle point of the day number two is um you always you know as a parent when you have kids one of those things and it's cliche and everybody talks about it and everybody's heard the saying you only wish that your child will have a better life be more successful etc 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 than you um to a point <laughs> and my point was reached the other day. Um, my son, Keller, those of you that listen to the show, you know him. He's, uh, he's my oldest. He was first. Uh, loves music. 
he was playing piano at, you know, came out of the womb and was basically like, where's my piano? Um, he's down in Nashville at Belmont freshman years in the songwriting program in the music business school. And the other day, his songwriting professor was like, Hey, a couple of you, you know, I'd like to invite you to be guests, uh, to come down, meet me tonight at the Ryman for a little event that's called the American songwriting, uh, basically event where Nashville's biggest songwriters mm-hmm. and a few, a few names get to go there and they get to celebrate songwriters, play some songs and do that whole thing. I'm going to read to you the list of names that were on oh my God. that he was in the room with and kind of walked around. <laughs> One is Ashley Gorley, which you don't know. I don't know her. Uh, it's I mean, a, I might it's know a man. Her work it's a man. Or her's work. Uh, it's a man, and he is a 15-time Grammy winner, songwriter, Jeez. right? And he's staff at, at Belmont. And everybody's like, okay, great. Never heard of him. Great. But have you ever heard of Brett Young or Hardy or how about Garth Brooks, Mm-mm. Tracy Lawrence, Toby no. Keith, not, not ringing any bells. Blake Shelton, Tim McGraw, Megan Maroney. Uh, they were all there. Uh, a third of them performed. And they all get to just hang out and talk about songwriting. And yes, I'm, you know what? I'm happy for my son. No, you're not. I'm jealous as fuck. Yeah. Just laying it out there. I've been to the Ryman once and it was, for <laughs> uh, I missed, I missed Jared, uh, cause he would light me up on this one, but I was there, uh, back in 98 or so, 1998 for the kids <clears throat> in the previous century. And I was there for the Dove Awards <laughs> because <laughs> I can't wait. I used to be a DJ on the weekends for a Christian radio station. And our producer took myself and my co-host to Nashville for the Dove Awards, which is the Christian Music Awards. It's like the CMT Award or CMA Awards. Uh, and so... <laughs> we got to go to an event at the Ryman that was a gospel music, not gospel, it was Christian music. It wasn't just gospel, it was a Christian music um, event. And I don't remember who who performed, but that is, it, was, is it because there was too many drugs there? No. no. <laughs> Did you black it's out? Because, <laughs> it's because at that time, Christian music oh was becoming, goodness. you know, this, they were, they were replicating Speaking of Christian music, so much of that. Let me ask you this: Yeah, in the St. Louis, yeah, yeah. probably, you know, because you you know, uh, I've talked about talked about this multiple times. My, I have a long list of pet peeves, but it seems like over half of them exist because of uh, drivers and interstates and highways. On ninety nine or with ninety nine one ninety nine point one sticker. Yeah, when you see that sticker, yeah, what do you think? Well. I, uh, <laughs> they probably went to the Dove Awards. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it, it's it's certainly virtue virtue signaling in my mind. It's a compl- um, you know look, it, it's complete cliche, and I know that people yeah. are like, oh, it's good music, F- but stay mm. out of the left lane. Yeah, no, and and, and it's <laughs> yeah. So that <laughs> that was my Ryman story. Uh, was the Dove Awards, and uh, I think it was nineteen ninety eight. Well, so I was talking to my son today. Um, after that first time I've talked to him since it, and I'm like, so, you know, because he, he was, uh, before he went down there, yeah, he's a, he's typical teenager here in this market and it's pop, it's hip hop. In fact, this weekend, 
by the time this airs, um, uh, him and his middle brother are going to Drake. You know, so oh, yeah. down in Nashville, we're going down to check it out. You know, they're going to the show and we're going to the hotel. Um, he, he he's, a, he's a pop hip hop kid, has been. And he loves Motown and all the classics. Country was always like on the Ixnay list. And he goes to this thing and we're talking and like, okay, you've been down there 30, 45 days, whatever it is. Uh, country music, where are you at on it now? He goes, uh, I get it. <laughs> That's all he said. It, was, it, it wasn't it. like, oh, you were right. Or, you know, oh, dad, yeah, I'm learning. It literally was, I get it. And he just left it at that. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. I'm glad he had fun. But uh, next time, invite me. <laughs> well, yeah. I would have made it down there. Yeah, you, you would have. Uh, well, you would have had to skip the the slew game, yeah? Oh, I would have missed the slew game for that. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Are you know. kidding? I mean. Well, I mean, listen, Garth Brooks saw me graduate from college. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Was that at Tennessee with 72,000 other people in the football no, stadium? it was at what was then Southwest Missouri State, home of the Bears. Oh, was the, he down the there? Well, he was recruiting bear tones, wasn't he? <laughs> no. Uh, he was married to Trisha Yearwood, and her nephew uh, was graduating in the same class as myself and Mandy, my wife, and uh, he was in the arena with Trisha. Did he play friends in low places? He dedicated he to all not. of you guys. No, no, he didn't. He wasn't a, a featured guest. <laughs> he was just part of the crowd listening to the boring ass speeches that every graduation has. Do you like Garth? I, I, I actually do. Well, let me ask you this because I know you had a limited household, limited. Uh, he was, uh, he was approved. He was approved. He was on the good list. Yeah. And I, the sevens album um, is actually one of my favorite country albums of all time. To be honest, um, I really, dug into it and uh it's probably one of the only country albums i've really ever listened to that often yeah uh just i, I yeah so i'm a garth guy okay I, I was just wondering because like he's one of those guys it's almost like you know there's certain people well you know we we, we were talking about lars ulrich on the last yeah. episode talking about him playing tennis etc cetera, etc cetera. um and in the episode did you catch when he talked about it, when they were asking him uh, what do you listen to? What's in your iPod? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I really listen to everything. And, you know, and, and one of them asked him something to the effect like, uh, what, what do you not like? And he, his answer was, look, you know, I have a standard answer. There's two types of music. There's great music and then there's not great music. Yeah. And Garth Brooks, he's in the great music side. Whether you so. like country music no, or not. I, I think so. I, I really do. And, you, you know, my taste is a little different than some. Um, definitely different than yours on a lot of occasions, but uh, I, I think that's Garth okay. Is, Someday you'll catch up. I know, it's all good. I know. I'm trying. I'm working on it. But I think <laughs> I think Garth fits that category of great for sure. Well, let me ask you this. So let's play this game a little bit. Uh, name a great artist all time. Who's who's on Mount Rushmore? From, I mean, I've said this before, but. I, from a band perspective or don't matter. Just individual. first one that comes to mind. Queen is, is top of the pile for me by a lot. What about, uh, Eagles? They're in there. Um, I grew up as a massive, massive Beatles. Elvis. No, I was an Elvis fan. Huge, huge Elvis fan. Elvis or Beatles. Who do you like? Elvis. Elvis. Now, Beatles from a songwriting perspective, obviously Beatles. Cause Elvis never wrote a thing. He no. stole everything from yeah, Memphis yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Mississippi and the blues and the Delta. Yep. Uh, I didn't know that as a kid. I know that now. Um, but what he did <clears throat> change the music scene 
ripping off a lot of other people is is something you can't you can't change but uh yeah elvis was my guy for a long long time well i think long here's long a time. here's the thing about stealing music at the end of the day when it comes to guitar in particular and people are playing it uh for the most part there's only six strings on a guitar exactly there's a there's a finite number of combinations yes. And most people can only play in a particular speed. Yep. It's all, it's all relative. Yep. Agreed. Just sing right. Um, oh, my gosh. Where was, I, where was I going with it? I got distracted by yet more people here. In the, I mean, this place has <laughs> happened tonight. This place is boom. It's like a... I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, there was, yeah. there was literally hundreds of girls, young girls, lined up wearing their, their Gallagher kits, and the second th- this 06 team came yeah. out, it was just the cacophony of screams. It was like Taylor Swift just walked in. Yeah, it was like 18 Tay-Tays. Oh, my God. Walking but down the it's aisle. such a cool experience, though. I mean, I, I, it's so cool to see this. So I'm really looking forward to our guest today. Yep. Uh, it's time for us to roll that way. Um, and I have a feeling that, you know, I, I read a report somewhere in the podcast world, especially when you talk about soccer, if you have a guest on that has an accent, your numbers go way up. Well, this dude's going to crush that, I think. You think he's going to let it, just let it rip? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, stick around. Guess the accent, and we'll be back right after this. Zach here. I love my kids, really. And when my kids have a knock, a sprain, a tweak, I like to get them back to 100% as soon as possible. I also hate deductibles. I get it. But now, in Missouri, I don't have to waste any unnecessary copay after my child rolls their ankle because now I can go straight to a PT. No more pediatric visits in a germ-infested lobby waiting for permission to go to a physical therapist. Axis Physical Therapy has 19 locations from Glen Carbon to Winsville and specializes in rehab, especially soccer rehab. So instead of burning a couple of needless hours and cash going to get a referral, take that bump or bruise straight to Axis. Go to AxisPT.com for more info and feel free to Venmo me your half the savings. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at The PinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? All right, all right. We're back. Ready for our guest, Zach? Yes, sir. Things that time. What do you think of this one? You like this one? It's groovy. I'm uh, I'm pulling from across the pond for this one. Oh yeah, you know the band? I don't. Stone Roses. Yeah, I don't know who that is. 
Oh my gosh! Put it in your must listen. Okay, I, I'm writing it. There down. Go write that down. You're the one that takes notes. I, you know, I, I Stone, ran into S T O N E. Yeah, I, I can. I'm hoping it's phonetic. Um, I, I did run into a new band for me, not new for you. What you got? Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> you mean Led Zeppelin Part Two? Sure. Forty years later. Yeah. Yeah. You're the. Th- you are uh, Jason Glover and Bertrand have been texting the last 48 hours about oh my god Greta Van Fleet I'm like, well ironically I came across it because I was listening to a Spotify playlist and it's just running through and this song came up that was not known to me I was like oh this is kind of cool and then it was Greta Van Fleet yeah and then ironically we were just talking about Lars Ulrich yesterday small world man he recommended yeah, Greta Van they Fleet because they, they toured, toured with them they toured with Metallica so Enough of our yeah. Band, we just we, we'll move on because we, we got a guy here who who deserves. Yeah, wait, what do you say, Ralph? How's well, it going, Ralph? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. I'm just listening to you guys talking. So this is kind of fun. Yeah, but I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've got Ralph Richards, the uh, relatively new uh, time frame wise uh, director of ECNL Girls National, correct? Yeah, it's the uh, as in uh, the ECNL Girls Commissioner for the nice. ECNL. Yeah. Yeah, Congratulations! So he's not just a president; that. he's the commissioner. Commissioner. Yeah, I don't know if that really does much. Like, it's definitely not above the president. That's Christian Lavers, so <laughs> yeah. he is definitely my boss. There's no question about that. And then there's Doug Bracken, who's vice president. Well, I, I, maybe it's one of those things where the harder it is to spell, you just, it's like commissioner. That's a pretty tough to spell. Prez, P R E Z, <laughs> and then CEO. Right? You just keep moving yeah. up the la- ladder. That's right. I that's got right. you, man. But so the president and the vice president are not gender specific as far as their their purview whereas you as the commissioner of the girls side are only focused on the girls would you would that be a yeah we work statement? we work in uh in you know together with jason cutney who's the boys commissioner so we kind of work as in tandem if you will um and we're part of the leadership group with one of the uh creative uh, representatives for the uh the league as well so that's andrea wheeler so yeah and then there's david and a few others in that leadership group as well but yeah, if you look at my role inside the league, it is truly towards the girls' side. Yes, got it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go back in time, kind of paint a little bit of a picture for the listeners. Oh, so please, that, how far are we going back? Here? Uh, I don't know if I want to go way that way. Back. We we prefer <laughs> childhood dietary habits. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, that's not b- good. Bangers. You need my mom on the phone for that one. <laughs> Beans and bangers, or what is it? Uh, blood sausage, right? Uh, I I like a little black uh, black pudding. There yeah, you go. Do that. Right. Yeah, I'm alright. We can with that. we can have a whole conversation about pudding. Okay. Uh, because I don't you, know if the if listeners you, are going to like that. They're chewing well, out right now. If you can't eat your meat, well, no, no <laughs> it's just I, I think it's interesting that the folks that are in England have a very different definition of the word pudding than we do over here. And cigarettes. Well, that's a different word. <laughs> that is definitely a different word, yeah. and maybe not for the listeners yeah, that we want to. No, we're not to going to that one. But I, I, we're not going to get into this because we have way more important things. But it is a, a topic that I find fascinating. That when we think of pudding over in the states, it's Jello, mushy. Not me. I think a creamy Jello, vanilla. Right. That's what I mean. Like, like mushy, like soft. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Either neon yellow or brown. Correct, and he is officially wondering what the hell am I doing on and this? And you show? just <laughs> referenced you just referenced blood sausage, and you, you Ralph called it pudding. Well, no, I I went to the black pudding. Yes, right. yeah, that's what they would but, call. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so 
clearly our listeners know that uh, you're not from the Metro East. <laughs> no, I'm not from the Metro East. So let's let, let's let's simplify things. Uh, where are you from? Where's where's home? Home? Um, and you know, let's get some of that early intro, kind of where soccer entered into the veins, and yeah, you know, we'll kind of follow this train path to the boat, to the plane, and All go right. from there, man. I like this. So, uh, uh, born and uh, born and raised in Stockton on Tees, uh, which is a small town in the northeast of England. Uh, it's very very close to Middlesbrough. So um, but most people are Borough fans. My dad was from Darlington, which is just up the road, and he is a Newcastle fan. So he's now enjoying. Oh, he's his, pretty happy right he's, now. He's enjoying his life right now. Yeah, he's oh enjoying. Gosh, did you see that result? What was that today? Uh, yesterday against yesterday. Man City, one yeah. nil. Yeah, in the oh, cup. Yes. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Coming off an eight nil against uh, who was that one? Ooh, in the league. Um, probably, probably Sporting KC. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, we'll just say that. We'll just say that. We'll get more bites on that. Anything one. over 3 0 is a sporting KC loss. There you so. go. There you go. But it, no, it was a. They're, they're flying. They're absolutely flying. Uh, Eddie Howe's got them going right now. But, um, and that, it's a beautiful stadium. It's a, you know, it's a true soccer town, city, if you yeah. will. And I've been fortunate. I've been to a few of their games. So it's a special. And I'm it's a Sheffield. Sheffield, that's right. Sheffield. Just United. out of relegation and getting crushed by Newcastle. That's right. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Because their last big win like that was against Sheffield Wednesday. So kind of they, oh. they, they don't mind playing Sheffield. They yeah, really like to yeah, like that. That's a bad yeah. omen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so my, my dad's a Newcastle fan. Uh, my mother became a Borough fan. And she was had eventually, when they, Middlesbrough built an awesome stadium, she used to go to the home games by herself. Like she had a season ticket and everything. Like the, one of the greatest fans ever. She She loved it. So... So she is a Middlesbrough fan now, but she was born, she was raised on the southwest of England in a town called Penzance in Cornwall, right? Last train stop, basically, if you go in the southwest. Okay. And so they met London, moved up north, had my sister, um, she's older than us, she actually turns 50 this coming uh, winter, so my wife and I are heading back for a little trip overseas, nice. over the pond, so I'm excited about that, and then... After my sister was born, and she was an athlete, she was a swimmer, uh, very good. Um, and then after that, it was uh, my my brother and I. So I'm a twin. Um, Ian is Who, his name. Who's better looking? Um, I don't know that answer. I don't know how we even <laughs> classify that. We'll uh, ask mom. If he, yeah, <laughs> She'll pick, uh, right? She'll who, take sides. Who's the better athlete? Ian, who's the better student? Ian, all of those things. Uh, I can definitely so maybe you got the looks then. I don't even know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's always the ugly duckling in the, in the family, and that's definitely going to be me. I well, guess. listeners can't hear, I mean, can't see him, but uh, you're not an ugly dude, and you look very intimidating to me right now as I'm trying to get fit, and you are just... I yeah. am wearing a sweater. Yeah. So <laughs> some would say an ugly sweater. But. Yeah. Zach's had a long day, man. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the compliments. Yeah. Thank you very much. So when did football become a thing for you and your brother? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, two kids growing up in the same household, same age, love sports. Dad played a little bit. Nothing crazy, but we would go watch him. And so we would do football. We would do rugby. We would do cricket. We would just do it all again. 
he would always be the better one. He would be the one that gets the accolades, gets the awards, all those things. So was he older? Was he first one he, out? He actually was. 55 minutes. So <laughs> that is not good. But yeah, my mom always brings that up on my birthday. <laughs> yeah, always brings that up. It's That's like, a long oh, 55 minutes. Here's Ian's gifts. Now you can wait, son. You can wait 55 <laughs> minutes before you get your gift. Your candle is literally burnt out. No, no, no. You got to wait. It yeah. is, it's touching your cake. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so that's where it started, really. Just, you know, um, like any kid in England, it's, you know, football was kind of first, and then people kind of move into different areas and what they want to do. Ian did go down the path of swimming. We all swam. I just kind of sunk. He swam. <laughs> and then, you know, we d dabbled in a little track and field and rugby and tennis and golf and cricket and all those things. But, yeah, I was probably a late bloomer. In, in soccer, I didn't go through the academy system, kind of went into college, which was right before university. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time where, you know, I start playing with men's teams um, and I was playing, you know, getting kind of some traction, some offers to go for some trials. But I was also kind of now diving into the academics and I was like, OK, university, I'll put these applications and think about going down to Leeds because it was a fun university. And then that's when someone knocked on the door basically and said, hey, we got a couple of guys in, in the U.S. that are on scholarships. Would you be interested? I know you want to go to university. Sure, why not? I can go to U.S. and hang out for a little bit. If it doesn't work, fine, I'll come back. But I basically took it as kind of like a little bit of a joke. Sure. So anyway, and not in a bad way, like in a way that if it doesn't truly work out, I'll come back and I'll move on. You have a backup plan. I've got a backup plan. Yep. So anyway, came over here. I never looked back. It was the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. Where, where did you land first? So you come over this way. Did you know? <clears throat> I mean, clearly you knew in advance where you were supposed to go. But did you know where you were going? Oh, that is a fun story. So. Um, Good thing we got a mic here. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so the story, um, it was um, the guy that I was coming over with. He started the process a little bit earlier than I did. And he was sent some photos. So he shared those photos with me. You know, and this is you know, back way when. So not like on your phone or anything, no phones back then. Right. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, God, these stands are full. This is kind of cool. You know, look at all these pictures inside this like gym and sports place. And look at these facilities. This is cool. I'm in. Let's go. So I go do the SAT. I go do all the scores, the academics. Suddenly the English coach, typical a Northern English guy, right, as a coach, got fired for reasons now i know why because he basically lies <laughs> and he lied to students coming over from overseas he was showing pictures of iu indiana Indi <laughs> and you guys know what iu was like in the in the 90s yeah. and the oh, yeah, yeah number one team in the country oh, yeah. for yeah, many yeah. many years <clears throat> Um, shouldn't say that with all the slew followers out here. Sorry, guys. Oh, no, we got a lot of IU guys. I mean, St. Louis funnels a lot of players to IU, and so there's a lot of – we do an, a, an a huge connection. IU slew Yeah, IU is technically here. slew east. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the bumper sticker. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, I wasn't going to change my plan. I still got on the plane. I still decided that I wanted to go, and the school that I went to was the University of Indianapolis, which was Division Two, way smaller um, but there was a few of us that went out, came over together and we had a you know, couple of other English guys that we connected with and American guys and I'm still best friends with all those guys. I mean, you know what that's like. You know, you, you create a bond and a, a unity with uh, a connection with certain guys. You just, you're going to be with them for life. And that's what I tell the girls when they were going through the recruiting piece. It's like, oh, that's a fast school. I'm like, you're going to make friends and those friends will be with you for life. So, but that's part of the the job that I did. Well, I mean, that's a really great point, you know, and I, and I talk to my kids about this all the time when they go through their own frustrations or struggles with uh, 
niches and cliques at, you know, grade school to middle school to high school. And now, you know, my oldest is first year in college. And, you know, I keep telling them like, look, look at, look at my life. You know, I've, I've, I have segmented friends and as you get older, you just have different interests. And when you kind of mentor and you work with players, how hard is it to like get that in their head so that that, that first year transition, it really shouldn't be that scary because your friends for life that you meet in college, they're pretty important. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, th- I look back now at when I listen to my father and my mother kind of teaching me the ways of the world the life like the life like this is how you do it son you'll be fine all of those things and so then when i was kind of saying things to the girls as we are trying to help them make some decisions or do the right things i kind of like oh my god i feel like my dad here like i'm talking to them and giving them (laughs) advice and they're really just like i'm not listening to you ralph like what do you know i'm 16 i'm 17 but hopefully they took a few things in well and you can think back you probably had a very similar response to when your parents were trying to teach you those things, but you were listening and you were retaining it because you still remember it today. I do. And those girls do, even if they are pretending as hard as they can to not listen. Yeah, they are. And I think that's what I have to constantly convince myself of (laughs) when I'm talking to my children and they look at me like you don't have any clue what you're talking about. And I don't really care if you did. Yeah. But I know they are listening because then I'll hear them say something that I told them months later. Absolutely. And so that, that impact you have is, is really important. I had a, did, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, did you, did you spend your four years at uh, Indianapolis? I did, um, yeah. So I, I, I was there for five years. So when I came over, because of some of the school classes that I took in England, they didn't translate. Mm. So the clearing house didn't clear me. Bob, the new coach, was willing to bring me in, cover my scholarship, and just basically, I was I was the water boy for a year, but I was getting paid quite heavily, so it was kind of nice. Yeah. And I trained with the guys, and I would travel with the guys, so it worked out fine. And then, then I had my four years there. And actually, I, I was able to uh, um, play in some summer leagues, and one of the coaches at that time was Caleb Porter, who's gone on and done fantastic. Yeah, he, he heard was, of him. Yeah, just had that. <laughs> so he was the assistant at... Indiana at that time. So right. he asked me to come down, met with Yeagley. It would have been my final year of playing. Um, unfortunately, I just was, they were like, we've already got all these all American guys coming in, like players of the years. Now it used to be the McDonald's player of the year, I think it was. Right. And now it's Gatorade player of the year. But anyway, they got all these stars coming in. They're like, there's no leader. Come on in, be a leader for your final year. So I went down there, met with Jerry and had dinner with them. It was it was awesome. Great experience. Loved, loved the guys. But I just couldn't, tell my parents I gotta ask you for some money to help me through when everything was covered in there so I stayed maybe a bad decision they ended up winning a national title I think they did but <laughs> oh well looking back on that yeah put that on your parents man it's yeah, alright man yeah. shed on. that off Mike and Sue what were you thinking right <laughs> step up help so, me out a little bit here so you, you, you wrap up your five years um, you know clearly you play you love the game yeah What's what's next? What's the transition there? Where was soccer in your life in the in those, you know, your early mid twenties and yeah. and moving on? What does that path look like? Kind of moving you through the 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 calendar here. Yeah. So like like most players, um, in the summer you get a chance to do some soccer camps. I think and earn a little bit of money or whatever to get you through some of the school days. So I did some of that. And at some point, one of the coaches said, "Hey, would you ever want to do some coaching, like full time or part time?" 
much, you know, whenever you can. So I started with a club in Indiana. Indiana. It was called Dynamos. It was a boys team, U17. I was like 20. I was like not even that much older than them. Right. Um, in fact, one of the players is, um, his, guy, his name is Tommy. His dad was the manager of the team. He's actually one of the coaches here at Gallagher. So I oh, was wow. like, that's I, really cool. I know. I bumped into his college coach out at uh, William Woods, I think. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he was like my captain of that team. It was a one year kind of deal because then another guy came in and said, we've got to get you on the girls side. I think you're going to love coaching girls. So anyway, within a year, I'm moving over. and I'm starting to work with a U14 team at that time. And they were an awesome group. I loved it. This guy, Russell G, who brought me in, was kind of my mentor. He was the one who brought me in, just like Scotty and Petch did when I moved here. And I just learned so much from him as to how to deal with parents, how to deal with the players, how to keep distances and do all the right things that you need to do as a, a young 21-year-old guy getting right. into the game, right? And those are the lessons we have to pass on to our young coaches, especially when you're coaching on both sides of, of the uh, And was the that, game. that U14 team, did that eventually the one that became Indy 11? No. Uh, that club? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. So Calmer United turned yeah. into, um, well, Indiana Fire, which then... Or now, Indiana Fire, which is now, yeah. That connects into Indy 11. And right. Actually, I believe they're going to be taking their top ECNL girls and, and putting them into that same oh, great. umbrella. Yeah. Very exactly. cool. Yeah. So there is like a pathway that way now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... That's where it started with a U14 second team. That first team was one of the best teams in, definitely in the state, one of the best in the regions. People talk about them right now. Some of those coach players have gone on to coach, and they ended up winning a national title at 19, that their first team did. But I was with them until 16 or so, and then 17, sorry, and then I ended up getting a chance to go down into the really younger team, and I started with a, a U11 team, and I took them all the way through, basically. So... And to this day, I, I, I talk to all, these, all those players still. In fact, one of the girls, I was just about to say that before we got into this little segment, was one of the girls just out of the blue just reached out to me. She's got three kids. She lives in New York. Um, and she's like, hey, I saw your, your picture on you know, face, face, Facebook or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, face, yeah. What, face talk. Face, yeah. I was like, what is that? She's like, coach of the year? What is going on with that? I'm like, oh, come on, Nikki. That's why you're calling me after so long? But, but. But it's cool. We just we talked for like an hour, and she started to coach her younger daughter. So she's like, "You got to help me through this. Like, what am I gonna do?" I'm like, "Nikki, you're gonna be fine." But it's it's the it's the history. You just create connections for life. Well, Very cool. I have a question. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, yeah. because I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when you look at the club landscape, it, it I mean, you've seen it firsthand now in the years that you've been here. Um, the shift and how clubs are really growing exponentially, the systems and the organization and the mapping of uh, training to age groups to pathway, all this stuff is getting extremely, uh, I would say both simplified and complex at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but you just pointed out that you took a team from U11 and you rode with them all the way through, uh, what, U19? They were, yeah. And this is my thought. It was one of those not an aha moment, just like a, a question moment, because it, most of the larger clubs today, you rarely see coaches kind of, you know, stay with a particular group for more than two, maybe three years. Yeah. Just I'm looking for your opinion on that, because it is, 
you know, the, the difference in personalities and maturity and development and everything from for U10 down to, U, you know, U7 to U10 and then U11 to U13 and then up above the teen years. It's very, very different. What's your thoughts on coaches that are segmented versus those like your story in that particular case that are with them for the long haul? I would say... Most of the time, the best situation in a club like like this or a club like Common United back then, where when I, when I was there, was if you have a good coaching staff that has curriculum that works together, the methodology is very similar. They need a, they need new voices. I think at that time, the full time coaching realm of soccer was only just starting, mm-hmm. so there was only a few of us that really were kind of invested with all the time and energy that we could do. Right. So. I did stay with them a long time. I think it was too long. Now, they did really, really well. We made changes on the roster every single year. Um, I never got to a point where I was like stagnant with, oh, yeah, I'm so good with, you know, good friends here with with the, the mom and the dad and parents and what have you. I'm not going to get rid of a play. In fact, I actually, I was doing some personal training with a few of the players, not on that team, but one player did ask me to do some training, soccer school training, so I did. Mm-hmm. But then a year later, I ended up cutting her or asking her to go down to the next level. And it was a hard decision because I was kind of taking money. But at the same time, I had to make the right decision for the young lady, the girl, and the team. So we had these good conversations. She went down. She proved me wrong, which I've had many girls since that now have proved me wrong as I think back of it. But, you know, th- those are great <laughs> stories because I think that's what you yeah. want. You maybe it's the the light bulb clicks on. I got to do a little extra work. I've got to focus a bit more. Whatever the situation may be, this young lady did. Her name was Ashley, and within a year, she proved me that she deserved to come back on the team. So called the dad up, P- uh, Pierre, and I said, Pierre, I think I need to talk to Ashley. She goes, She's not going to want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but at least she can tell me no because I do think it's the right thing for her to come back. He goes. I wanted to be back. I wanted to be on that team. It's a great team. It's the first team. Why would you not want your daughter to be on there? I just don't know if she's got over what you did a year ago. So Ashley and I talked. And then we talked again a little bit later. Um, and in a week, she came back. She goes, no, I'm ready. I think what you did was the right thing for me at the time. And now I'm glad that you've, you've decided that I belong on this team. So she came back and she was with us all the way through U19. So yeah. those are the stories I love. That's the kind of stuff that I think most of our listeners need to hear. And we've talked about adversity a lot. We've talked about rejection a lot. And, you know, we've, we've had folks on who were cut from whatever club or whatever team. And then they use that as kind of a fuel to get to the next level and basically use that, that anger against that one group to kind of fuel the rest of their career. And so it's also good to hear though, that it's not always permanent. Right. And that, you know, a coaching decision at a, a moment in time doesn't define your career. And I think that that's Absolutely. a really important yeah. thing to, to know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious your take because, you know, I think about it, through these conversations and really even my own life experiences personally, the amount that I learned through losses, through failure, clear cut failure, either on the field or you know, in a tryout or whatever it is, you know, and, and when I think back to the times in which I would say that I maybe handled it well, I remember significant growth after that. And so my question to you is, 
knowing or assuming, you know, because you're telling these stories about kind of recovery and redemption yeah. and, and resilience, how important is it to recognize team failure, individual failure within a club, within a, a an organization and, and, and creating a mindset where you lean into it, you know, and, and because, look, we all know those clubs that have teams, they don't fail. The kids don't lose. There's no need to pick somebody up because they just roll the table, you know, whether or not they're just that exceptional or they're that much out of where they should be competitively. Um, how do you how do you look at failure uh, in 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 implementing ways to feed off it or learn from it with your your players and your staffs? I, I think I think the, the big thing there is, you know, failure helps you to grow. Right. And I think we've all look, I know when I was younger, you know, with my twin brother who was excelling in all these areas, I was I kind of like he's look, 55 minutes ahead of you. Dude. I know he was, <laughs> he was always ahead of me. Trust me. Still kind of catching up today. Um, but but so I feel like I kind of have a lot of like history built up that I could kind of pull from in yeah. certain situations. So that probably helped me go go through it with my players or with the teams. But I think and to your point, I those those teams that we say that are so far out there i don't think you know the 06 is here you know they haven't lost a game in i don't know <laughs> it's, now. Been kind of, it's been a minute it's been a minute <laughs> yeah. it's been 55 yeah. Uh, yeah. that actually might be 55 games that they've not I, lost a game right it's, yeah. crazy. It, it's, it's very special but if i was to sit down and talk about each one of them i can tell you in those two and a half years that they've been undefeated they have all had moments that they've all had to kind of look at either with playing time or with just things going on in their life, either school or personal or whatever it may be, that has kind of made them have to kind of like battle through. So yeah, the outside look means that they're like awesome, like untouchable. But inside, they're still young human beings that, you know, they go through everything just like the other player that is on a team that's maybe struggling and you know maybe they find it harder to deal with that so i think they that failure does allow you to grow i think and i say that because i think in moments these you know players have struggled on that team and they've grown because of it and become stronger because of it right and be, maybe you know two and a half years ago they went to florida right after after the covid after the pandemic and and we played an event and, and we was we were we struggled and we, you know, we came back and we had to like refocus. So they did struggle, but then how do you struggle to then suddenly go into this? And they didn't change the people too much, like a few added players, but, and they trained the same amount of time. So it was always in there. It was just a matter of just refocusing, finding the right things and doing the right things. Let me ask you, let me ask you a quick question to fill the gap. <clears throat> Cause we, we went from, uh, Northeast England to Indianapolis to talking about a team that's won a lot of games. Uh, how did you, you talk about the transition, the introduction? How did you land in St. Louis coming yeah. from kind of pseudo roots that were established in, in, in Indy? What brought you to St. Louis? Scott McDonnell and Steve Petcher. You know, I'm Pat Barry, actually, because he was the president at the time. So the phone calls were through him, but from those two guys. Um, Scott, I, I've known Scotty more so than Steve um, because of directors talking to one another. We used to bring our teams to St. Louis, play friendlies here. We'd see him in Chicago playing them. We'd always end up playing against each other because the teams were good. Yeah. And I was at a point at Come United 
kind of certain things were going on, wasn't really okay with. Um, and I was looking for a different avenue in coaching and I wanted to get into the college perspective. I started working with the 17, 18s a lot and, you know, people were saying, you, you do well in college. I was like, yeah, but I love the game. I love this. I don't know if I can do that. And I was still a personal trainer at that time on the side. Anyway, um, I was at a soccer event and at our ECNL soccer events, we would have these um, educational curriculum pieces for the coaches and Scotty was there. So I would be with Scotty. We, we went for a run afterwards. You know, we kind of knew each other. We liked to run and stuff like that. Next thing you know, this is in San Antonio. Next thing you know, I'm driving back to the hotel. I'm coaching three teams down there in San Antonio. Probably not the smartest thing to do by myself, but I was. As I look back now, I shouldn't have, I should have had other coaches. Um, and I'm at this hotel, and suddenly I see this car pull up right in front. And it's these women in it all like waving and they're waving at Scotty. They all know Scotty. I'm like, Scotty, how do you know these women? Oh, they're a part of our team. They're like the mothers of one of the, one of the teams. I think Patchy's <laughs> wife might've been in the car as well, actually. Steer so, clear. Yeah, Steer, steer clear. clear. <laughs> so within, within, a, within the next like few hours, I'm getting invited to go out on the broad, on the walk down there in San Antonio for dinner. So I do, you know, I, I knew Patch a little bit at that time, Scotty, and obviously went out for dinner. They just started talking to me at the hotel. They started coming behind my bench when I'm coaching. I'm like, what are these guys doing? They're just like right on my shoulder. And they were just watching me. I don't know what they were doing, but they were there. And then eventually, second night into the event, Petch is here now, so he's kind of staring at me. <laughs> uh, Better not just, lie. Yeah, yeah. And we just started talking about what would it take? What would it take? I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, how can we get you to St. Louis? Will you come? And we think there is a, a job opening at SLU on a second, you know, as a second assistant. Kat Mertz just took the, the new job. Katie Shields was the first assistant at that time. Mm -hmm. And they were looking to bring in a second. So they, they got me the, on the third day of the event. Kat comes up to me and said, Scott Pet said, I need to come and talk to you. You're interested. Within 24 hours, there was an offer on the table from both, you know, Gallagher Club and SLU. Um, with the help of Pat Berry, of course. And it was just a matter of making a decision. So I came for the interview with Slew. Katie said, all done, let's go. So let me ask you this. Um, did the steamer in him, was the offer a bucket of iced bush beers and a <laughs> carton of Marlboro Reds? I mean, every, every day, every day he had a bush, or at least every night he had a bush in his hand. I was like, how do you even get that down here in San Antonio? Did he even make it down here? That's awesome. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to ask you one more question. We're going to go to a quick break. Uh, how long did it take you to get into your brain and convert from calling it football to soccer? Um, about <laughs> as long as it took me to figure out how to use the phrase, go shag the balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This goes, we, We're going to have to cover shagging, pudding, and cigarettes in the next, <laughs> the next half. I love it, man. I mean, this is this is what we're here for, Zach. I mean, I couldn't believe that the first time I heard it in a volleyball like, court. What? I was just walking around and the coach screamed, go shag the balls. I'm like, what is going on here? You're looking for the hidden cameras. Yeah. You're like, holy shit, this is a trap. I swear I'm not involved. Maybe I'm at Indiana right now. I'm at IU. All right, Ralph, we're going to we're gonna take a quick break. We're going to get some refills here out at, uh, we're at Soccer Park today. Patch is hosting. And uh, we're going to come back when we talk more soccer, talk ECNL, and uh, hear a little bit more about this team that is uh, just continues to roll, roll the table. All right? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back.
Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really, as families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. We're back. Low break, low refill. By the way, Aaron, we got your uh, gifts, and we are drinking cold Modellos. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. We'll uh, we'll get you some pictures here shortly. Uh, we're rolling back in. I figured, uh, given your northeastern uh, heritage, took a stab at a little Liverpool band. Okay, you down with that? Yeah, like a little dig pony. I'm good with this. <laughs> I got to ask, when growing up uh, in your household, you, mom and dad put a record on the record player. Where are they spinning? So, actually, my dad obviously loved his 60s music, and I would kind of love it too. And I fell in love with Chuck Berry. As crazy as that sounds, that was my go-to. Uh, do a little karaoke, Johnny Be Good. That's my go-to nice. jam. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I moved here and I heard about, you know, the go down there and see the duck walk and all that stuff, I, I went down there. And, yeah, uh, it's interesting because I, I believe Chuck Berry is a major influence on the Beatles massive. as well. Yeah. And so for you to say that makes complete sense, yeah. ironically. I mean, it's 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 hard to put them together. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no but, question. Well, I mean, so many of the the... <clears throat> Excuse me. The icons of British rock, they'll all say to a man, whether it was Chuck Berry or it was BB King or whatever, if it was blues and soul Elvis. anywhere along the Mississippi River, yep. that was their influence. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, we'll 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 bring you back for a rock and roll podcast some other time. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my trivia is going to be any good. But I do like right. a little bit of uh, Chuck Berry. I can do that. Um, we, let's, let's talk ECNL. Okay. Um, you, uh, you know, we, we, we touched on your experience here, your transition here to St. Louis with the, uh, SLSG, ECNL girls. Uh, you've, you've kind of steered that ship to tremendous success with, you know, a handful of teams in particular, and we'll talk about them in, in just a second. Uh, let's talk about the transition into the new role, uh, the commissioner role, uh, uh, at ECNL. Give us an idea for the listener, because there's a lot of listeners that have kids in this system. Talk a little bit about the vision. Talk about the league as a whole, uh, because it's really been picking up a lot of steam. Um, You know, I wouldn't say chasing MLS next, but it definitely is growing, you know, and and improving and better showcases, et cetera. What's your... Before you do that, though, kind of back up and give just kind of a lay of the land of the different leagues. Yep. And where ECNL... Not hierarchically, but just a, a lay of the land of, and you can focus on the girl side if you'd like, but just what that landscape looks like for clubs and leagues within the U.S. Yeah, so, I mean, as, a, as the East, you know, Girls Commission, it's kind of tough to, I mean, on the girls side, 
there's no question and it's everyone knows this that the the, the best quality of players overall are playing inside the EC now. The stats show that with players that are getting into national teams. Seventy five percent of college incoming freshmen are coming I mean, from the EC now. Yeah, you guys know the stats. Yeah. So ultimately that's that's where it's at. And and it came and started from 20 to 40 clubs that got together in a room. Scott Mc, uh, McDaniel and Steve Petra are a part of that group, by the way, when, um, and they brought in these clubs and they said, we need to change the landscape. We need to do something different that is better for the players and the coaches. Like, what do we need? And so that's where it started. I came in to that from Kama United's perspective, which was uh, the same conversation, just we... Carmel was one year behind. They just took a year off or wanted to make a decision based on what they thought was the right thing for their club at that time. I was fighting it every day because I knew that when you get into a league with these kind of clubs, the big clubs, and SLSG was one of those clubs that was invited into that room along with you know Texans and the Stings and PDAs and Slammers and all those guys. Once you're in there, then you're like, this is where you want to be. Yep. And so it's that's where it started with a conversation that was back in 2008. They created like the Red Bull League, which was a small portion. It was like play games inside events that are already out there. And then it just took off. So they con continued that concept for the first couple of years because there was only so many clubs. You can't have a league with 40 clubs that are spread out in the United States. It's just too much travel, too much money for parents. Right. So we'll meet everyone at these big events. We'll pick these big events. We'll play the teams against each other. We'll have our own bracket. And we'll go from there. And so the, I wasn't in the, the, the room having the, with the leadership at that time talking about kind of where we were going to go with this, but I knew the direction of where they were going to go. Every year it was picking up, you know, intensity. More clubs were going, I want to I get in there. How do I play those teams? How do I get in there? So then it was not just those teams. It's like, why do it at just 15, 16, and 17, and 19, or 16, 17, 19? We need to go into 15s. Then it was let's go down into 14s and then eventually it was all six age groups and yeah it just grew it just got traction well um, do, do you think that um in evaluating kind of that demand uh, you know because every everything in youth soccer for the most part is supply and demand it really is it's what yeah. the parents want do you think that the appeal was um the competition was just becoming more and more staggering more and more stacked um, was there a commensurate relationship with uh, universities and college coaches that were really gravitating towards the league? What do you think was really going on, though, to you know uh, increase the club or increase the demand? The club being, you know, you want to be part of the club in the ECNL league. What well, What do you think were some of the traits that really kept the 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 fire burning? Well, I think. The, for the college coach to attract to these clubs is because they have what they want. They have the players. They had the players and still have today. So if these coaches who are coaching these players are going into these events and doing this certain, in this system, in this format, they're going to attract those college coaches to come. And once you get them bought in, now it's bringing in the next one because if you don't go, they're going to get the best players. So now you've got to go into the ring with them and, you know, play that, you know, be in the in the fight with them, if you will. And that's what brought more of the college coaches around. But I think what the, in my opinion, what the ECNL did really well, and I think still does today, it doesn't make drastic changes. It doesn't make impulsive changes. It makes very thoughtful changes, small changes, 
that have huge impacts. And it's the little changes that they've made over the years. Like they didn't jump to all six age groups. They went baby steps, small steps. They didn't go to what they are now, which is 46 events. They started with four events. And it's 46 now. They didn't jump into doing a first tier and a second tier to support the demand of the clubs. They said, let's do the first tier well. Let's get that. They didn't go to, let's do girls and boys. They went, let's do the girls right. And then as, you know, we'll see what happens. And eventually the boys kind of took on. When did the boys ECNL start? What is it now? I think they've been, you got me on that one. I'll have to do some Googling, but I think it's five, five years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think what's interesting to me is the timeline takes an interesting turn around 2020. Right. Right? Where the DA yes. for men and women just stopped. Yes. Uh, that would be the biggest growth on the boys' side. Yeah. Because of, of the stop. Because on the boys' side at that point, the DA had the traction. They yeah. had it all. Absolutely. That was where the federation was at. That's what they were going to do. So they had they had... They had what everything they were where they wanted to go, and the boys was really supporting certain clubs on the boys' side. Yeah, and then eventually, with that happening, the boys ECNL started to do really well, doing the small things right, getting the right things in place, getting the the procedures and the principles, and getting the structure right, and then making sure the standards are there and people are upholding the standards. So people on the outside are going, no, they're doing it the right way. So I want to get in. But the DA was still kind of around. When that folded, that's when Jason Courtney's phone was just going off. Yeah. And so it was, he, his programs grew, there's no question. And on the girls' side, I was changed going in and around that time, but it didn't grow. It was just adding certain pieces that made sense to where we were at that point in our, in our structure. So <clears throat> we would be remiss to not bring this up and talk a little bit about it. And that would be the relationship between clubs, uh, leagues, um, such as ECNL, and moving forward in that relationship with high school soccer. Um, and, you know, that role, because obviously Academy, MLS Next Academy, and GA players on both sides of the fence, um, they're limited. It is a 10 month to really ultimately an 11 month league it's a full yeah. year for these kids <laughs> you know and ecnl has been uh playing ball you know up to this point it has a it, seemingly a a relationship and understood kind of balance between uh high school participation in the league um can you speak to that a little bit because obviously you've been in st louis long enough you know the history of some of the St. Louis high school <laughs> programs and how important it is to a lot of individuals, you know, with the growth of the game and the growth of the league, where do you see that relationship going moving forward? I mean, I think the, the high school, you know, when I talk to directors around the country, they say, oh, you know, our girls won't, won't not play high school. They love their high school. This is what they do. And it's the same everywhere. And there's no, there's no question. And I think there's a huge benefit for it. For a lot of players that want to do both, it's that same thing as a coach being with them all the way through. It's a different voice. Right. Um, I think you can learn leadership values. You can be a young player on a team now working with someone that's four years older. And by the way, when you go to college, you're a freshman dealing with that same situation. So it gives you a little bit of kind of like a learning curve to that piece of it. But then if you're also one of the better players, now you become a leader and you could be a leader at a younger age where on your club team, you might not be a leader because someone else is that leader. 
So there's a lot of value to that. But then I also think for certain players and certain individuals, there's, it's not the right fit for them. And they choose not to be a part of it. And they want to do something different before them as an individual. And we've seen success in both ways. Um, I've seen success in players going to high school in a position where they might be a little bit, you know, lacking confidence. They come back and they score like five goals in the postseason. You're like, where did that come from? It's just scoring goals in high school. And I had a little bit of confidence, you know, you know, the hot hand or whatever it is. So I see those benefits. And then I see the other one where there's other players, you know, players coming back injured. But then you get injured in club soccer too. So I think every player and every family just has to look at themselves and make the right decision for what's right for them. And if I they really don't, love that. yeah. And if they don't play high school, just make sure you have a plan of what that may be. Yeah, and that's it. Well, let's. <clears throat> oh my goodness, we're let's, running out of time. Yeah, we're going to shift gears real quickly because I, I got to bring up my son Max is nine. Um, he's got two favorite shows in this world. Uh, one is uh, Grand Tour. Okay, you, you know that one, and the other one is uh, Clarkson's Farm. <clears throat> so Jeremy Clarkson, and they document his life on the farm. Um, talk about your farm. That's the cool part here. It's it's well. It's before really you do cool. that, we have to. Yeah, I have to I mean, we have to acknowledge what's the elephant going on outside right now. the room right now. I guess there's a group of of, of young uh, women who I think you know very well uh, that are are, are <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. By the way, uh, that's your 06 group. Yeah. Those are the girls. The girls that are like 55 and 0 in the last three years? Yeah, uh, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, sorry to, to, to interrupt, but I, yeah, no. you couldn't not acknowledge the fact that this group of players... Oh, I'm of, stoic, man. Of players... I wasn't going to call it, you know... No. I was waiting needs, for you guys to blink. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had to happen because that it's just a testament to you, Ralph. I know we're running out of time and I want you to, to, to you know give us a little bit about the farm, but what I just saw tells me exactly why you've been doing what you've been doing for so long. Yeah, how, hard, how hard is it to leave that? Without getting emotional, it was the hardest decision of my life. And my wife knows it. Yeah. And she, and she, supports, she supported me living here for three years. Like going, she had to go back for the reasons that she wanted to go back for after COVID. She works in the ICU, so she went through all of that. So yeah. she's... So, um, so I supported her in that decision. Absolutely. She wanted me to stay. I was going to go back a year earlier, but because of everything going on, she was like, no, you need to stay. I thought she was going to say, nope, you got to come home and actually be a husband. <laughs> <laughs> and, but she, she, and she even says today, do you, do you need to go back? And so she knows how much this place means to me, this club, this city. Um, and obviously players like the young ladies that you just saw and it's it's not just that team i mean again i was telling you that people called me up who you know that i used to coach back at common united no different those girls that are in you know working here in st louis that were on my first team here and and they meet us at the events because they want to come and say hi to scotty and i because we had such a good you know i love it and i i i i just want to i think it's so cool and that the fact that the ecnl is in good hands uh as the girls commissioner Obviously, you have the passion. I think you know what it takes to get other men and women in your shoes to experience and, and to provide that back to the next generation of coaches. It's such an honor to meet you, Ralph, and I'm so excited for what you're doing next. Um, maybe we'll have to get him back to talk more about the farm because I'm I actually, know. I really want to know more about that. Well, bad. My animals didn't get a chance to be uh, Well, no, I mean, no, no. Enough. Pets can wait. We need to know how yeah. many animals are on yeah, the farm. Yeah, let's do that because they can wait. They absolutely can wait. <laughs> um, 
so I don't know how many animals. Do, well, so let we'll me start. We'll start this way. There's two horses. Okay. Uh, Beauty and and Shagan. Shagan's Molly's horse, and Beauty's her mom's. Then coming down a notch, we've got miniature goats. So oh my we, God. Yeah, we got Jordy. Black and white, Jordy, Newcastle. And then we got Cheyenne and Nash. Nash is from the show Nashville <laughs> that my wife yeah. and I watch. And then we have ducks, nine ducks. So we had to build them a duck pond out there. So it's an awesome kind of uh, Do you cool have any thing. alpacas? We don't, but we, there is an alpaca farm right around the corner. So I think that's where it is. Every time I go to Minnesota, I have to go to the alpaca shop in Minnesota. That's awesome, and man. And then I don't know how many chickens. And a bunch of hawks because they come and try and take our chickens. Oh, your chickens, yeah. So, yeah. It's awesome. Never mind man. the cats and dogs and all that stuff. All right. Well, I, I'm envious. My wife knows this very well, so Mandy's listening now. I have told her recently, I want to own a farm, and I want to have goats, and I want to have alpacas, yep. and I want a donkey. <laughs> And that, I think we're going to get the donkey before we get the alpaca. So yeah. I think it's a miniature donkey. <laughs> next on the list. We've completely well, jumped the shark here, man. I love it here. I'm tossing you a little Chuck Berry on the way out, I man. Uh, Ralph, thank you very much for your time, dude. Best of luck in the new role. Uh, we'll definitely stay connected here and bring you back, you know, because we only scratch the surface on this Absolutely. one. Best of luck and uh, good luck uh, speaking in that room there with a lot of... Uh, I think I'd rather stay here and just talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patch is here to hook you. So, man, hey, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks thank so you much. for joining thank us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No it's problem, man. And thank you for listening. Give us a follow. Give us a share. That's the easiest way to show your love and support. And until next time, here's Chuck Berry. <laughs>